Hey everyone, it's Steve-O from Not Another Bee Horrorcast, and you're listening to another great production on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? It's searching for my symbiote brother. <laughs> yes, and guess what? It's our 50th episode! We did it! 50 spider senses tingling. That's a lot of spider <laughs> senses tingling. Is that a Christmas carol? 50 spider senses tingling? 50 spider senses tingling. It's too many It's too many syllables. Mm, darn. Dang. Have to rewrite it. 50 spider <laughs> senses tingling. I mean, I guess you could like merge some of the words together somehow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, not, it's also not anywhere close to Christmas time either. So like. True. <laughs> not, not on theme whatsoever. That's anyway. all right. We're just excited. We got to 50 episodes and I think, well, certainly quicker than we would have expected when we started because we used to do this biweekly. So mm-hmm. hitting 50 is pretty, pretty cool. So thank you everyone who's been listening, whether you started at the very beginning or just picked us up recently we we made it to 50 and uh and you're here with us so thanks so much yeah yeah absolutely to listen to this show find us on 4 and wherever you get your podcasts this podcast is brought to you by revenge lover designs illustration and design that fit your personality for samples and inquiries visit revengelover.com and if you are looking for all things walloping web snappers in one place check out our brand new website wallopingwebsnappers.com dot com beautiful that's from a jingle that i can't remember what it's from though what is it from Mm, i don't know that's gonna bother me for a long time i'll come it'll it'll, come to us in the middle of the episode yeah yeah it might even be like a regional or local thing actually anyway that's (laughs) not so that's even more less less on theme (laughs) (laughs) that's all right that is okay I do feel like it's, like, kind of fitting that our 50th episode is, like, a Venom episode and, like, also features, like, Eddie Brock just, like, in his underwear, like, for the majority of it, too. Like, Yeah. <laughs> there's it's It goes both ways because there's something fitting about our 50th episode involving Venom, uh, having a almost naked man um, just present uh, in the episode. <laughs> And I love that our our 50th episode happens to be an unlimited episode simply because this show is bonkers as hell. But I will say this is not the flashiest episode uh, to talk about for our 50th, I would would say. I don't think it's a (laughs) – yeah, there's not a whole lot to this one. Like I don't think it's a bad episode and I think that like the pacing of it is better than like most of the episodes we've talked about Mm -hmm. recently. Yeah. Like it doesn't have the issues that we keep bringing up over and over again, really. I mean, you know, there's certainly some things that I'm happy and excited to call out for not being as great. But for the most part, it's a solid episode. But it feels like the most like a typical Spider-Man animated episode than this show has ever felt. Like it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man animated episode. I would be very curious to see how sort of like the general masses respond to this episode if they even got to it. Because this episode doesn't have a lot of the problems, like you mentioned, that we have mentioned over and over, but it also doesn't really have a lot of the stuff that we are most excited about when we turn the TV on to Spider-Man Unlimited, you know? 
So it's yeah. kind of like in that zone of like, it's not bad, but it's not really great either. It's just sort of there, at least for me. No, I agree with you. I, that's that's how I felt. I was like, I, I think I like this episode, but I don't really like it as an unlimited episode because it, it because it's just kind of there. Like it's, yeah. yeah. The things that I like about it are just because it's Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. The things it does well are the things we watch Spider-Man doing well in other yeah. Spider-Man properties. And we're so calibrated to what this show does well as this show that it's like a weird ride to go on. So, yeah. which is funny. You're right. It probably, it. Pro- I, I wonder if it is something that if people got to this episode, I wonder if like the masses who didn't like the show actually really dug this episode <laughs> because it has so many references Maybe. And, and stuff. I mean, it's the only, it is the only episode of the show I suspect. Cause we only have one left to watch, even though we have two more to talk about that really does anything sort of standard Spider-Man because Venom and Carnage are like the only elements of Spider-Man that we're familiar with that they were actually allowed to use. Mm -hmm. So they're allowed to tell a story that people probably were hoping for when they hit play on episode one. (laughs) They just are doing it far later into the series. So (laughs) Uh, I guess we should talk about what the actual episode we are talking about is, but at this, at this point you've gathered it's a Venom episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 We are talking about Spider-Man Unlimited season one, episode 11, almost done with the show. (laughs) This episode is entitled one is the loneliest number or on Disney plus one is the loneliest number. (laughs) I had to double check to make sure that was a Disney Plus error and not like a production error because I do think that loneliest is one of the like most misspelled words in the English language. It's a weird looking word. Yeah, it is. And it, and it actually looks fine if you spell it wrong. So I wouldn't have been surprised if it was just a production error. But anyway, mm-hmm. yep, unimportant. Yep. <laughs> the synopsis for IMDb is Eddie Brock, alter ego of Venom, if you didn't know is separated from the Venom symbiote, and Spider-Man agrees to retrieve it by donning it and give it to Brock, or he'll die in a matter of time. Good old IMDb typos. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) Yep. The original air date was March 17th, 2001. aired on St. Patrick's Day. Interesting. Oh. And it was written by... You've heard these names before, Robert Gregory Brown and Larry Brody. I think they've written half the season, so we have talked about them multiple times. Sounds about right. Um, We don't really have any major characters introduced, but because this show has a a voice cast that all play multiple characters, it's worth noting that Dr. Brofsky, who is exclusive to this episode... Uh, is voiced by Richard Newman, who is the same person who voices the High Evolutionary. So we get another instance of somebody talking to themselves, which I'm just endlessly tickled by. Yep, yep. Is he a spider, bestial? Is that what he's supposed to be? Is he Brosky? supposed to be like a spider? Yeah. What? I assumed he was like some sort of lizard or like horned dragon type thing. Oh, that's possible. I don't know why. He looks like some of those, some of the spiders that have like the spiky horn things on them. Uh. You know? Um, yeah. but the, because the flat face was throwing me off, which I know that some bestials have flat faces even yeah. you know, when their animals don't. So I did, but lizard would make sense too. I'm curious what the intention was behind him. Yeah. I, it's, it's sometimes it's like impossible to know. Like if it's not a mammal, we're, we're pretty much guessing. And sometimes when they're mammals, we're still guessing. So yeah. we'll, we'll usually assign some sort of species to bestials. Uh, but we don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. So, I don't know. But uh but yeah, that's that's pretty much it from a production end, so I guess we can just dive right in. Mhm. 
So this episode starts with Spider-Man doing just a regular patrol in the basement when he sees Venom running across some rooftops. He notes that it's really strange to just see Venom, and he makes a joke about seeing Dumb without Dumber, and he decides that's suspicious enough for him to follow along. So he's like, Venom, I'm gonna see what you're up to. However, (laughs) he doesn't have a spider sense, of course, as anyone who's ever seen anything with Spider-Man and Venom know. But he has to, like, remind himself. He's like, oh, I forgot that Venom doesn't trigger my spider sense. Like, <laughs> right, just in case this was your first Spider-Man show. <laughs> right. And it's like, but, but, you know, then the context for, it, like, in the world, it's just like, that seems like a th- weird thing to forget about, Peter. <laughs> but, okay. Oh, yeah. No, the way they write it is really funny. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Especially because this isn't the first appearance of Venom. So right. this is a thing you would have been reminded of already. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, you know, Venom blindsides him. Oh, I wanted to mention, too, we don't get very many references to Aunt May in this show. I think she's been mentioned, like, literally once in in sort of – I don't remember what the context was, but he wasn't really talking about her. It was just sort of like, this reminds me of Aunt May at Bingo Night or something like that. Yeah. This episode is, like, the first so far only time that he's been like, I hope Aunt May isn't worried about me, <laughs> which yep. is so weird now, like, because we never saw her. We could have just assumed that she was dead in this universe. So, like, to now, 11 episodes into the show, finally be like, oh, wow, my aunt who is always doting over me and always worries about me. I wonder if she's worried about me. Yeah, right. She's had a heart attack for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And you haven't even thought about that. (laughs) I just kind of assumed she was dead. Yeah. I mean, by this point in the comics, she was dead. Well, I guess she'd been dead and brought back by now. But, you know, I mean, I could, I don't know. They could have done it and it wouldn't have been the first time. uh, Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, that is interesting, though, because they, they so rarely uh, address anything from uh, sort of traditional continuity, be it the 90s cartoon or the comics. Right. So after blindsiding Spider-Man, Venom damages his sonics. Um, huh. Like, Yeah. So I think there's, there's – <laughs> so we mentioned in the last episode last week that, like, it seemed like there are references to an episode that, like, didn't happen. Yeah. Um, And, and we were – Wondering if these episodes maybe were like were written in a different order than they were ultimately aired, and and I think it's definitely the case. Like it's super clear. Like it doesn't really impact the episode. Yeah. But Spider Man fights Venom one on one, gets the Sonics damaged, which she mentioned in the last episode. Like my Sonics were damaged in a fight with Venom, and then towards in, and, and then how High Evolutionary in the last episode also mentioned Spider Man like thwarting his stuff with the symbiote. And this episode I think kind of ends with him wanting to confront spider-man which he does in the last episode so it's pretty super clear that this was meant to air before the last one yeah again doesn't really matter that much outside of like a couple of references because it's so outside of the arc of the show but it's interesting nevertheless yes so venom uh after (laughs) he after damaging his sonics basically just like swings him from a roof like he just (laughs) I don't know, like a pendulum. And I noted this because I yeah. knew you would appreciate it. Yeah. Makes a swingers joke. Yep. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I always knew you were, or no, we know you've always thought of yourself as a real swinger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, means something different when Venom is doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 If it, were any, if it was any other villain, it would be like, oh, fun pun. But since it's Venom that said it, it's just right. like, nah, you know. Right. You know. You know. <laughs> anyway, he's swinging him around and he tosses him into a nearby radio tower pretty brutally, actually. 
and Spider-Man ends up falling through the roof of that building with that radio tower and a bunch of rubble into the building below. So as Spidey attempts to free himself from the debris, Venom, we see, has been monitored from afar by a lizard-like bestial, and then he is attacked in an alleyway by, like, what looks like a sonic beam. It's also kind of implied that they were, like, attracting him somehow, um... It's not really explained yet, Uh, but either way, the sonic beam is able to, like, successfully and pretty quickly and easily get the Venom symbiote, like, completely detached from Eddie. Yes. So Eddie is basically just left there in his underwear, while Spidey uh, does see the bestials, the same ones in lab coats that, like, we always see snatching people from the streets. So he is able to, like, go see the almost completely naked Eddie lying unconscious in the street. Question. Uh, Because I don't actually know. I know that we see Eddie in his underwear later, but in this scene where he's abandoned from the symbiote, or not abandoned, like ripped from the symbiote uh, and left in the alleyway, do we actually see that he's just in his underwear or are there all clever angles? Because he might have just been butt-ass naked. No, I think we clearly see him in in underwear. Okay. I couldn't remember because I know that he gets clothing later that doesn't belong to him. And just wasn't mm-hmm. sure uh, what the status was. He gets he gets clothing for one scene, and then he's back in his underwear yeah, for the rest of the episode. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 almost uh, like I'm like ninety nine point nine percent certain he, they do show him pretty explicitly in his underwear. I trust you. These are the questions yeah. I I come to you with. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I do I do greatly appreciate considering every other show that we've been watching. It's just like everyone wears baggy boxers. Yeah. Like, this it's just like. Obviously, they can't show them naked on a kid's show, so they do the next best thing, or or in a jock either, which would also be appropriate. So they do the next best thing by showing them in, like, super tight-ass underwear. Yeah. So I I do appreciate the uh, the thought put into that. The thought put into that. But um, <laughs> That was we're good. A, that was good. We're a comedy podcast, right? Uh, all right. So this is where we get a flashback to basically a Venom and Carnage origin story that you could have almost ripped directly out of the 90s show. Uh, obviously, it's animated for this show. There are slight things that aren't exactly the same because it's a flashback and an overview. Uh, but pretty much what you would expect from the 90s show is what they show us to be the origin here. Uh, Venom comes to Earth, ends up on Spidey at some point, afterwards ends up on Eddie, and then spawns and ends up on Cletus Cassidy and becomes Carnage. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, really the only difference from the 90s show is like the Venom spawning Carnage part because yeah. that's done differently in the 90s show. And I don't think he's ever held by S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 90s show. I don't think show, so either. either. I think he's just in like a yeah. prison. Yeah, yeah. Or he's in like, he's in like, I think he's in Ravencroft, I think. Um, we'll get to that next season, actually. Yeah. But- uh yeah yeah so that's the only place that it differs so it's still pretty clearly not in the 90s show continuity but it is fun that like that the spaceship stuff just sort of became like the kind of iconic i mean it was the pretty iconic part of the 90s show so it makes sense yeah like to the point that people were kind of surprised they didn't use it in spider-man 3 so it's it's just kind of funny that it's just like yeah that's just uh that's just how venom gets here y'all yeah <laughs> it's i mean to be fair it's a far more accessible origin story than yep. where it originally came from <laughs> yep far yep. more like accessible you see, 
<laughs> I remember back when I was in an interdim- inter- interplanetary interdimensional war with other Marvel superheroes and I found a secret machine that had like this cool orb that like responded to my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like that wouldn't be hard to recap in a flashback in a show where it's otherwise pretty unnecessary and unrelated anyway. Not at all. <laughs> Although to be quite honest, if ever there were a show to do that, <laughs> I wouldn't That's have been true. surprised if it That's were this true. one. <laughs> That's true. It's one of the most normal things the show has done. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So after we get that flashback, uh, we see that Eddie is waking up oh, in the alley. They haven't gone anywhere, right? Um, and he just like attempts to fight Spider-Man because he's he's been Venom for so long and that's been so ingrained that Spider-Man is a bad guy. Presumably, Spider-Man is also responsible for a lot of Eddie's woes on Earth Prime if we are to sort of just mirror the continuity. So mm-hmm. first reaction is to fight. Uh, momentarily, Spider-Man is like, well, forget you then. Like, I'm not here to fight <laughs> you. I just tried to save you. Like, fuck off. And he starts to leave, but then has a moment where he's like, uh, okay, wait, I'm a superhero. Eddie does not equal Venom. Eddie is a human being, not an alien symbiote. So I should probably help this guy who's almost butt naked in an alley and just got jumped, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere, we cut to a nest that's resembling the underground caverns from the Where Evil Nests episode. So Carnage is there, and he's basking in the glory of many new, maybe symbiotes, we don't really know. It's the yellow the yellow chest hugger insect things from that aforementioned episode. Yeah, we've never gotten a name for what those are other than the synoptic just generally. Right, yeah. But they which, act the same way as the symbiotes that we are familiar with. Yeah, sort of. I mean, all of that stuff is still confusing because it's still sort of like, are they just, are they from the same planet but different species? Are they trying to say that they're the same thing even though they're clearly not the same thing? Like it doesn't, Yeah. I, I, doesn't really check out yet. <laughs> I, I don't, I, mean, I, 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 I suspect it never will given how few episodes we have left, but... Mm-hmm. My guess, and I, I, I'm not confident in this guess, this is like a, a 51% type guess, is that they were just sort of operating as if these just are symbiotes. Like, I, I think that's what they were doing, even though, so. like, on screen it's completely obvious that they're different things. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is weird. Also, like, Carnage is just so boring in this show. Like, and I say, I mean, I say that as... I don't really care that much about him. I know that you don't really care much for or about yep. him. But, like, anything about him that did make him, like, remotely interesting as the, like, crazed psychotic serial killer with the, with superpowers kind of thing that they, that they always tried to push. Like, it's so not present here because he's just... He's just like a typical alien invader. Yeah. It's just like, oh, my babies. Oh, my brother. Like, I thought you (laughs) like, normally you hate Venom. And it's fine because this is a different continuity, different circumstances or whatever. But, like, stripping even the rivalry between him and Venom makes him so much less interesting. Mm -hmm. Making him, like, not crazed or anything is so much less interesting. He's like, (laughs) his name is Cletus, but he's still like, my brother. Yeah. Oh, my brother. It's just like, I can't. Like, I don't. I'm okay with different interpretations of characters, but this different interpretation just made him lame. Well, like he's just so lame. It's, I mean, this is the one element of the show that they were sort of directed to include, right? So it's, it's, it's like elements that they had to do something with. And I know that's not an excuse for not doing enough with them. Uh, but of all the things that they've done, I could at least sort of be like, yeah, I get why you didn't really swing that hard with these two, or at least Carnage. 
Because, like, you mm-hmm. probably weren't that interested. Well, I shouldn't say you weren't interested in using them, but, like, you have this other setting and world that has absolutely nothing to do with them. And so in every other aspect, you're able to sort of, like, exercise your creative juices. And I imagine they weren't allowed, maybe, to do all that much or take all that many liberties with these two. I don't really know. Yeah, but that's the thing is that they do with him, though. Like, And I can buy the explanation because – because they mention in the very first episode that it's weird that they suddenly know about the synoptic and have, like, extra powers. Yeah. So there is something clearly meant to be going on with them that makes them different from normal. That's fine. I don't mind that. It's just, like, the choice that they made to tweak him and, and make him different, the the differences they made just make him less interesting. Well, they subtract um, things, because which I think if, if you're taking liberties by subtracting things, that's really different than adding things. Yeah, because he and Venom, too, are both so like narrowly focused on one goal, which is like whatever their synoptic bullshit is. And Venom at least like doesn't feel like he's been like heavily tweaked if only because I guess like <laughs> Venom Ouch, is poor Venom. <laughs> Cause I, I would argue he's not that interesting either. Like in the grand scheme no, of the not, show, he... neither one of them is very interesting because neither one of them is given characterization. That's true. He isn't interesting either, but I think that part of that is because Sometimes Venom, I think, is written really well and given a lot of depth, but you can have a version of Venom that is just, like, the mean monster evil shadow of Spider-Man, which is the version that that he is here, and it's kind of the version that he was when he first was introduced in the comics, and then they kind of add more shades to him. Um, He's so, like, that's why I can sort of here. He's like a drop yeah. of Mio in the water, like that. Yeah, here. that's true. They kind of... Yeah, both of them are almost feel like superfluous to this show. I honestly, I, I, it's it's tough because I like we've talked about the factions, right? There's so many factions uh, on this planet and on this world with different motivations, and I like the faction they represent, and I like the motivation they represent. I just don't think that that is necessarily enhanced by the fact that it is being done by Venom and Carnage. I think honestly. Yeah. You could have, given that this show is full of this, you could have had entirely different or new characters doing that and had almost the exact same effect. Because I don't think there's anything that makes this particular faction or motivation unique to Carnage and Venom outside of the fact that they are symbiotes and that they yeah. they they need hosts. And so does the Synoptic. That's true. And then again, if they had their original vision and this was just Venom slash Counter-Earth Peter Parker, and this was just, like, his side quest stuff that was going on when he wasn't fighting our Peter Parker, that immediately is, like, way more interesting. Yeah. So if they are if if they were kind of giving the whatever plot they would have had with him to Venom and Carnage, like, it sort of makes sense because, you know, the emotional through line is obviously not going to be there if you don't have the Counter-Earth Peter Parker anymore. So, yeah, so they're kind of left with these kind of weird empty shells that they didn't really add much to and again like i don't mind that that they're kind of playing kind of tropey alien invasion type stuff with this it's just their main like faces of that alien invasion are just for one ugly but also just not that interesting (laughs) you know know? it's just (laughs) in in rupaul's drag race when there is a queen who is all simply just look and body they always say stop relying on that body. And I feel like that's what Carnage and Venom represent in this show. They are not yeah. characters. They are simply the bodies that we recognize, right? They're relying solely on the fact that we know who these characters are and we recognize them. And so they it doesn't feel like they're putting in the work to actually make them interesting. I would be very mm-hmm. curious to know 
how somebody who doesn't know Venom and Carnage or Spider-Man would describe these two characters' personalities or motivations um, or even just the distinction between the two if they didn't already know what they're – like how they're supposed to be different. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. That is kind of funny because ultimately like Carnage weirdly almost seems like he's sort of the leader in the situation because he's the one who seems to be more proactive and Mm -hmm. is more – almost like uh, like righteous, like about the synoptic stuff. And Venom just tends to like kind of tag along and do stuff. So, which is such a weird like dynamic for them to be in. And I will say that this episode does seem to try to kind of interrogate the idea that like Venom and Eddie at this point in this show, it isn't the partnership that we're used to in a lot of other iterations. Yep. Like it's sort of arguing that Venom has taken him over more and, and Venom is sort of at the, at the steering wheel a lot more than we normally see, which itself, like, I I appreciate that they're addressing that because that does kind of solve the problem of why the characters are so, like, not human at all. Like, their humanity is just totally lost, and they are just kind of, like, empty shells that are just, like, here for an alien invasion. Still doesn't make them, like, interesting to watch. Yeah, that's that's only something we can appreciate. That's not something yeah. who doesn't know them can't appreciate. It's it's very meta. Right. And I'm, I'm fine with the meta, but it, it, not, it doesn't... It doesn't hold up to a lot of critique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It still like, explains it, it explains the situation, but it's not it's not like a good enough reason to justify having two you know pretty well known iconic characters and just like stripped of most of their personality. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, they're 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 not maximized uh, in this, and I imagine that this is probably the most we will get of them. And I'm very yeah. curious to know what the plan was for them. Moving forward, because I they weren't they weren't going anywhere. That that feels mm-hmm. very clear. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll have to when we get to that point of looking forward, we'll we'll have to figure that out. But in any case, this is who we're who we got. So uh, let's see where are we at here. Oh, Carnage is uh, Carnage is petting his babies. So we don't really know <laughs> what to call the babies, but he's petting them and being a very nurturing. He's basically just like the mom alien. That's that's what he is. <laughs> And as he's monologuing about his babies and their new base and all that sort of stuff, he senses that something bad has happened to Venom, uh, which I think is interesting, uh, I guess. I mean, it doesn't make him interesting, but it's an interesting detail. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's just like a connection with him. Yeah. 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 It is, again, weird how much he, like, cares about his brother, not his dad figure that he, like, hates and rebels yeah. against. But yeah. his, uh, his brother that he loves brother. and wants to save from danger. Brother! brother (laughs) yeah so he's he's aware of stuff potentially going on meanwhile at the clinic naoko is running tests on eddie brock who has been brought there by peter she's of course confused and concerned why peter would know someone who she can tell just from running those tests that he is like hosted a symbiote not just has hosted one but has hosted one for a significantly long time to the point that it's causing like massive detriment to his body not having that symbiote probably longer than she realized was possible by evidence because presumably carnage and venom are the only symbiotes with a reputation on this planet mm-hmm. we haven't had any indication that any others exist and so we don't even know necessarily how much Naoko even knows about them. We just know that everybody's sort of vaguely aware of them and refers to them as symbiotes. So they at least understand part of the nature of them. 
but she's only known that they've existed for what, six, seven, eight months. And then she examines this yeah. guy and he has probably been host to this for years. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about that, yeah. but you're right. Cause that kind of, I mean, I think that, ex- that, that even further explains her like very pointed confusion and concern towards Peter being like, what's Ha- what's happening mm-hmm. who are you who are you buddy and you know his answer is just like i used to work with uh i i mean i know i mean it's uh, yeah I, I, it's a long it's a long story mm-hmm. and she's just like okay whatever whatever you weirdo yeah. but he's gonna die so you should tell me what's happening yep. the walls are closing <laughs> in on peter with regards to naoko and shane I don't know if they ever get there, but they they were set to find out. That is for sure. <laughs> yeah, because there is only so long that he can just be like, you know, it's just like, who are you, Peter Parker? Right. Who are you? Right. You've been living in my home for months now. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I wasn't going to ask, but now I am. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, she's just like, this, this dude's going to die. So, like, I need to know what's happening so I can figure out how to fix him and make him not die. Mm-hmm. She steps out of the room because Shane calls her or whatever. But this this gives us a little moment with uh, Peter and uh, Eddie alone where Eddie threatens – even on his deathbed, he still, like, hates Peter Parker. So he's, like, threatening to reveal Spider-Man's identity if Peter doesn't immediately go find and return the Venom symbiote. Um, Peter's like, you suck and I hate you, but, like, I don't like people dying, you know, so I guess I'll do it. And he's very mad about it, but he agrees to look for the Venom symbiote. I mean, what else is Peter supposed to do? (laughs) Right, right, right. Well, I guess the right thing would be to tell the people you care about, but whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I do like it, though. I like the the conflict and the tension and everything. Again, it's all, you know, it's not unpredictable or anything, but it is kind of fun to see Peter in that, in, in that kind of unique position. Yeah, we we on this podcast like when Peter or Spider-Man are put in the position where they have like where he has to help villains like it creates for interesting dynamics because <laughs> yeah. he never wants to, but sometimes he has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a good situation. It's it's this was like this. It was a it was a clever idea to ha- to have for an episode if you're going to have Venom and Carnage in an episode. Um, I will say that no matter what. Yeah. So shortly after that, Spider-Man ends up finding Carnage, uh, but he does so because Carnage is just rampaging through the basement looking for Venom, basically just like shaking humans down for information. Where, Where's Venom? Where's my brother? Like as if anybody's going to know. And Spider-Man's like, hey, stop that. And they fight. So um, their confrontation leads them into a subway tunnel where there are more civilians that Carnage also (laughs) harasses and abuses. (laughs) He basically takes a bunch of them hostage and also dangles Spider-Man over the train tracks in the subway station, anticipating an oncoming train. So he's got a lot of stuff lined up. He's got hostages. He's got Spider-Man dangling over railroad tracks. And he's just trying to find his brother. His brother. His brother. I I really love that when Spider-Man jumps in, he like immediately webs up the door. Like that's going to stop Carnage because all he does is just take his fingernail and cut into it and then like flow right through it. Oh, like- the response to him doing that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he slices with his unedited claw. Like it's not like he makes a uh, Carnage scythe or anything. Just his literal claw cuts open like what, a four inch slot that he just like <laughs> slurps through. <laughs> right, right. Dumb. It's funny. 
Like, you could have just ripped it all open. Spider-Man could have just not done that because it was clearly pointless. Right. Why did you think that was going to make yeah. any difference? You just wasted your web fluid, buddy, but uh-huh. all right. No, I love that Carnage <laughs> does it. It's it's a statement. It's like, this shit does not work, fool. <laughs> that was a dumb thing you just did. <laughs> yep, yep. While Spidey is kind of dangling in front of that train, he saves the hostages by lying. Very simply. He's just yeah. like, I know where Venom is. And Carnage is like, okay, bye, hostages. <laughs> All right. Yeah, which if it was serial killer Carnage, he would have just like killed him anyway. But yeah. that's not the Carnage that we're dealing with. Nope. And then and then while Carnage is like distracted by freeing those people, Spidey kind of frees himself. Um, he kind of like, he does a thing where he like pulls Carnage into the direction of the oncoming train. So he ends up getting like hit by the train and then dragged off while Spidey can like escape. Uh, before he can escape, though, he 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 yikes. In a very, very weirdly relevant bit, one of the machine men does finally show up, but he tries to arrest Spider-Man for fair evasion. Mm-hmm. I think he says specifically a turnstile violation. Mm-hmm. Cool. So helpful, guys. Yeah. yeah. Guess who wow. didn't ask any questions and had no reason to believe that anybody on that platform didn't pay a fare. Yeah. Yep. Weird. Very weird. Weird. so uh i I love when 20 year old tv shows are so relevant it's great especially when they're dystopian (laughs) (laughs) wow it's almost like the machine men that are programmed to be terrible terrible at their jobs of law enforcement uh are actually pretty realistic to the world now anyway So as Carnage frees himself from the train, (laughs) Spider-Man leaves the subway tunnel and continues his search for the Venom symbiote. Carnage went pretty far. Subway trains go pretty fast. So I would like to know how many stops he made uh, (laughs) or how far away he got. (laughs) But in any case, it gives Spider-Man time. So Spider-Man works backwards and encounters a tiny, small, weakened piece of the Venom symbiote in an alley, just hanging on for dear life. Uh, and so cute. I know, right? I think it doesn't it even make like little squeaky noises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he reluctantly allows it to transfer a memory from its slimy self to Spider-Man through touch. Obviously, Spider-Man is hesitant. I like how many times they stress that Spider-Man is hesitant to physically interact with the unhosted symbiote. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. And this Me is one too. of those cases, especially because it's such a tiny piece that you kind of could sit there and be like, there's really nothing to be afraid of there, buddy. But he should be traumatized forever by this. So yeah. I like that he's hesitant. Yeah. So he does allow the little baby symbiote to touch him and transfer a little memory to him. And that memory says that Venom was shot by a sonic beam and separated uh, by that sonic beam in the alley, which is what we saw. Um, it's just kind of, I think it verif- it clarifies that he was definitely like attracted there by the bestials. But one of the bestial cronies called a Dr. Borofsky. Spider-Man actually recognizes the name as someone that Naoko studied at under Counter-Earth's Empire State University, which is interesting because that means that like humans can still like study under bestials, even bestials that are like ostensibly evil because they're working for the high evolutionary. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of cool that humans can go to a human college taught by a bestial professor. Like, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. It, this yeah. is interesting, though, because she – so she studied under this guy at ESU, but she is basically just like a community doctor. Like, she works in a community medical clinic. I really, 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 really want 
the Naoko Yamada Jones backstory. And I'm very sad that we are almost certainly never going to get it. Yeah. Because how she goes from being one of what I would assume is the very few humans allowed to go to, uh, for all intents and purposes, a bestial university ends up getting a degree from that and then goes back into the, well if she if she got her degree right that's not a given yeah but then went back into the community and largely serves like an oppressed population i just want to know how right. that all went down i think that's a, a fascinating story and it's an interesting detail to put into this episode because it's wholly unnecessary like it really doesn't matter the mm-hmm. only reason that it's there is to give peter a really easy reason to know that venom is at ESU, like in their lab, but yeah. there's and you know there's a million other ways that he could have like figured that out. So it's it's got it seems like a very intentional detail to put that into this episode because then you have a clue that like there's something with Naoko's backstory that is interesting. The fact that she does have some kind of relationship with bestials that seems pretty different from what most people have. So yeah, it supports some interactions we've seen before too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm very interested. I mean, we'll, we're never going to know for sure, probably, but I, I, I would be interested to know, like, if these were specific seeds being planted for something that they were really planning to do. Yeah. So after this little, it's not really a flashback, after this memory transfer, we go back to the clinic and we see Shane popping in on Naoko and Eddie. And he's supposed to be asleep. So Naoko's like, what are you doing awake? Uh, and Shane's like, I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about dad again. And so Eddie asks about Naoko's husband, who she does confirm was her husband at some point because she refers to him as ex-husband. And I only point that out because we were wondering at one point, like, if that was even a dynamic that mattered in mm-hmm. the basement. But yeah, so officially refers to him as, as her ex-husband. Mentions a little bit about that. Um, not really, doesn't really affect anything. No, it's, inter- but it's an interesting detail. Yeah. Shane also, when he first sees Eddie, the first thing he says is, whoa, you're really big. Yeah. Are you a pro wrestler? <laughs> Which means there's pro wrestling in this world. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's probably like a bestial pro wrestler. Well, no, if he thinks that humans can be a pro wrestler. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I guess so. Has to be. I mean, I are, I want to believe that bestials also pro wrestle. You yeah. sounded like almost disappointed when it was presumably only bestials. Oh, no, but no, that no, would no, be no. Dope. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, like. Just because it, I wouldn't be surprised if humans didn't have the opportunity to like play in any kind of like pro sports things, which is if, a bummer. But the fact <laughs> that he is like thinks that Eddie could be a pro wrestler obviously points to the fact that humans can be pro wrestlers. So like that thought was stupid anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, if this is supposed to be an allegory for our own world and its societal issues, and I think it is, uh, I think we can assume that humans could be in a competitive space because competitive spaces are just gladiator arenas, right? Like some of the first opportunities socially that underrepresented and oppressed people in our own actual real life society were sports because you can be entertained by people in sports. So even if, even if they aren't offered opportunities in other spaces, I wouldn't be surprised if they were allowed to get beat up in a ring for bestial entertainment. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes, I mean, it makes terrible sense, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Especially if it's like a fighting sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. Yes. All right. But yeah, he does. Yeah. that I like that too, just because I like anytime they sort of fill in the world a little bit with like uh, less important details. I mean, we get so many details about the important dynamics and social constructs that it's like fun when they're like, and we have baseball and pro wrestling and chili dogs exist here. <laughs> like I just, mm-hmm. I like those things. It's fun. 
So Shane offers Eddie his handheld game. He calls it a tech boy um, because Shane is the purest angel uh, and recognizes that Eddie is a patient and probably needs to be cheered up. So he offers offers Eddie his game. And Eddie is, like, curious about it, and he accepts it. He says he's never played one before, which Shane is appalled by, of course, (laughs) as any child would be. But unfortunately, once Eddie grabs the game, he ends up having some sort of, like, spasm or seizure, and he drops the tech boy, and it breaks. And that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And he feels bad because he recognizes that, like, he's actually sort of connecting with these two, Naoko and and Shane. Like, he's learning about them and they're learning about him and they're curious about him and they care. And he says, like, outright, well, I guess to himself in her dialogue moment Mm -hmm. that he's actually starting to like being human again as he spends more time away from Venom. I really like the scene. I just w- I wish that there was like more of it. Like there was more space. Like if this was a two parter or something like that, because um, I do feel like there's a there's kind of a cool attempt at an emotional arc for Eddie. Um, but it's only this scene that they're able to do anything with it in. Yeah, because I like all the stuff that happens in here. It's just it's not really enough to buy that. Like oh, he just lo- no, he suddenly likes humans again. He likes people and everything. And it's like I I get what they're going for, and I think that it's handled as well as it could be in the time constraints that they're under. But yeah. man, I would have loved to see like more interactions between him and and Shane and Yoko, and actually like getting a familial feeling there. Well, if you if you gave this two or three episodes, and honestly, I'm surprised this isn't a two parter, given that like one of the most memorable multi-part arcs of the 90s show was the Venom stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm just surprised by that. But if they did give it multiple multiple episodes, you could have had a moment where Eddie basically endangers the lives of humans who have been taking care of him in order to get back to the symbiote. And that's this sort of like moment of realization that like, basically like his, his like, uh, my addiction is hurting people moment. Yeah. And I think you could have done some really, really deep, relevant, real stuff with that. Yeah, because they definitely play up the addiction stuff in this. Like, compared mm-hmm. to other versions that we've seen so far, I feel mm-hmm. like more than anything, they kind of, they, they definitely, like, downgrade, like, the sexual tension stuff and romantic stuff. And it is very much just meant to be, like, an addiction allegory and an, mm-hmm. and an addict, like, going through a bad detox, essentially. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, basically what we're seeing, and they, they address this very specifically later, is we're seeing Eddie go through, like, a horrible, horrible withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I mean, that's that's what's happening to his body. Yeah. Hello, amazing friends. We'd just like to take a minute to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Gemma Nicole, Katie, and Joe. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have three different tiers that you can opt into, the first of which is our $1 tier where you get early access to episodes, a bunch of Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes such as our Spider Bite mini-episodes, you get to participate in our Walloping Word Snappers interactive improv game, and you get your own random villain alter ego. If you join us at our spectacular level at $5, you will get all previous rewards in addition to our monthly After Dark commentary episodes, a downloadable high-quality poster of our logo art, a personal on-air shout-out on each episode we record while you're a patron, and a Twitter shout-out and Twitter and Instagram follow once you become a patron. And if you really love what we're doing and you want to be a part of it, you can join our amazing tier at $30 where... If you stick around at that amazing tier, you could guest on the episode. That's right. You could be on an episode of Walloping Web Snappers to talk about anything that you would like that is in the Spider-Man canon or mythos. 
So at the end of the day, it's you guys who lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you for that. No matter what level you're able to contribute, or if you're just an avid listener who's stopping by, trust us, your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Thank you. Thanks. So at ESU, uh, we see that an invisible Spider-Man is watching an interaction between Dr. Brovsky uh, and the High Evolutionary. And basically, Dr. Brovsky is saying that his thetasonic waves, which is what we realize the guns were, um, it wasn't just like regular sonic stuff. It's, I guess, better sonic stuff. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> have proven harmless to humans and bestials, but they are very effective against the symbiotes. The high evolutionary basically is like, I don't give a crap how you treat humans, but I will gladly accept your weapons that hurt symbiotes because even though I've been working with them out of necessity, I will be happy to destroy them. They are a nuisance to him and they don't listen. So (laughs) he's fine with it, (laughs) even if it means killing humans. (laughs) Cool. Cool guy. He's a nice guy. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Spidey has a little snide comment, I think, when he's watching the High Evolutionary on the screen where he refers to to Mr. Evolutionary P. Poobah. What is that? So I looked it up. Poobah, apparently, is an actual, like, word that you can find on dictionary.com. Like, it's a real phrase. Yeah. I know that word. I, I, had, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was real because that means a person, like, a leader or authority slash a pompous self-important person and both of those things work for him. Yeah, but what's the so I knew the word pooba, but what's the pee pooba? I guess it's just to make it sound more fun. Like instead of saying Mr. Evolutionary Pooba, he gets to say evolutionary pee pooba, and then he gets to say pee and poo in the same like I insult. Guess so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all it is. Yeah, I knew like normally normally I feel like that phrase or that word is accompanied by grand, like the grand pooba. Never heard that before in my life. <laughs> really? Oh, that's nope. fascinating. Huh. Or maybe if I did, I didn't recognize that those were the words that were being said. And I just thought I just yeah. misheard whatever someone said or assumed it was someone's name. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I typically it would be at least in the most of the context I hear. It's like it's not even just that it's the leader of something or that it's somebody who appoints themselves. I feel like it's typically equated with like an MC. Hmm. Um, but with like a more dictatorial vibe to it. Like they're the grand poobah of the whatever ceremony. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Pee poobah. Pee poobah. Pee poo. Yeah. So high evolutionary sucks after he hangs up. Spidey immediately swoops in, webs up the doctor's cronies and retrieves the canister that has the venom symbiote. Uh, the doctor, God, this sucks too. The doctor is like, hey, if you interfere with an alpha level project, that means DNA recycling, which we know what that is now because we know that that literally means like incinerating the, the, yep. the bestials and like feeding their DNA to other bestials. Um, was that the episode right before this or two episodes ago? That was t- two episodes ago. Okay. That was sustenance. That makes what Spider-Man does in response to this super shitty. Yeah, because he knows <laughs> what it is now. So, like, right. I guess you – no, you couldn't slot this earlier before it because Ill Met by Moonlight flows right into sustenance. So, yeah. yeah. So, in any scenario, it's shitty that Spidey's just like, <laughs> whatever, Sucks and leaves. Suck. <laughs> yeah, because I actually don't think Dr. Brofsky is a bad guy. I don't think he's meant to be communicated. Or, or I think that initially mm. – and without really thinking about it, Dr. Brofsky's a bad guy because you see him doing things to a character that we recognize. We see that Spider-Man poses himself as 
in opposition to Dr. Brovsky, and we see that Dr. Brovsky is working with the high evolutionary. But if you really dig into it, Dr. Brovsky is just working for the guy who leads the country, which makes him complicit in bad things. But I don't think it makes Dr. Brovsky a bad guy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he is a, a smart scientist who is wrapped up in what the high evolutionary wants. That's true. Right? Like, I don't get any sort of, like, ill intentions from Brovsky. He doesn't seem to relish what he's doing. That's true. And he's not doing a Sir Ram thing where he's, like, actually actively experimenting on people. Like, his experiments are on, like, a, like, semi-sentient but also, like, invasive yeah. alien. And he's not even trying to, like, kill it or whatever. He's just trying to make sure that, like, he, they have defenses against it. Yeah. So, you he's know, trying specifically to protect an oppressed class while like he's making sure that the weapon he's using is is not damaging to a class of people that the high evolutionary does not care about. Yeah, yikes. I didn't really think enough into that. Like, I don't think Brovsky's a bad guy at all. <laughs> yeah, they should have just made this Sir Ram instead of introducing another doctor character because the whole Spider-Man just not caring about the DNA recycling. Yeah, dude, 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 dude. Dude, what if Dr. Brofsky is the doctor that Naoko consults to create the device that <gasps> keeps John Jameson at bay? Oh, no. Because it's Dr. Brofsky would presumably know the things that the High Evolutionary does <gasps> and probably understands better than other doctors what Naoko was describing to him, and oh they're God. already connected. So yeah. Spider-Man might have literally just sort of like I mean, this is, we know that this is going to happen at this point, but like, spoiler for the end of this episode, basically like commits like Dr. Brovsky to extermination and recycling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's explicit. Like, I don't think that's necessarily what they're doing, but I think that complicates things in a very interesting way. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. I want to believe that that's the connection because that's crazy. I mean, when I make my epic fan fiction, you know, <laughs> seven part, 1400 page each set of novels, uh, that's definitely going to be true. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Uh, yikes. So, yeah. So Spidey does escape with the Venom symbiote, hence, uh, you know, sentencing that scientist to death and attempts to evade a squad of uh, pursuing machine men by hitching a ride on a nearby hover bus. Uh, So he's under the bus for a little little bit. So he has a moment to kind of assess the situation. And then he realizes that the canister, like, I guess it had like a hole blown into it and all the chaos. And so it's leaking and the symbiote inside is dying. And he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, are we serious right now? So he realizes the only way to save it is to like actually host the full symbiote, which we know and which he reiterates is like a terrifying situation. Mm-hmm. He does not want this thing on him or in his head again, um, but that's the only way to like keep everybody alive. So he does don the black suit once more and he's like immediately like, oh, wow, I forgot how good this feels, which is like, mm-hmm. Oop, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. It's not specific to the show, but I love it. I love it so much. This idea that he has to wear it to save it in order to save somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's cool. And so we get, good. you know, we get to see him in the black suit more and it's drawn like the very traditional yeah. black suit. I really love the look of it in this show. I was wondering if they were going, cause like in the flashback, it's very traditional black suit. I was wondering like, are they going to do something with the, the unlimited design here? Or are they just going to go right back into it? And they just go right back into it. Like, yeah. like nothing had ever changed. <laughs> and I'm cool. I'm, it's, it's cool. I, I, I'm into it 
in the style of this show. Not that there's like much to the black suit design because it's very simple, yeah. but like even like the the '90s show, I think over overdrew it a little bit because they had to draw all the typical like muscles and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And this show scales that back a little bit, so it's even a little more cleaner on this show, which is yeah. interesting because otherwise the show is very like not clean with all of its stuff because yeah, everything's over designed, right? Like everything is over designed. Yeah, so it sticks out for being like very minimalist design on mm-hmm. on this um more so even than the 90s show which i dig it's a really it sucks that we only see it for like a little bit but the fact that we saw it at all surprised me yeah i think it gets away with it because it's a dark suit and this this show has so many high contrast dark shadows and the suit that we see him in all the time anyway has that same unbordered eye situation mm-hmm. um, and is so heavily shaded so it, it ends up simultaneously being this like thing that stands out for not being underdesigned but so simply designed while still managing to fit in from like a stylistic standpoint it's really cool it, it's really cool yeah it's very cool i dig it a lot this definitely is like a weirdly like kind of fan servicey episode like not in a, in, and i hesitate to use that word because that word gets thrown around in the worst ways sometimes yeah. but in kind of a nice way where it's sort of like if you've been sort of missing any classic spider-man stuff um, this is like the closest that you can get to it, and and it's sort of, and it, it it's all used in ways that make sense for for the plot and make sense for like the episode as a whole. You know, it's it's this whole episode is just kind of a throwback to like classic Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's fun. I dig it. I'm into it. I, I think yeah, like you can you can pay homage and you can have allusions and references and do all sorts of parallelism, and that doesn't necessarily make it fan servicey. I think this is in that former category of. It's referencing things that we're familiar with, and it mm-hmm. is it is drawing parallels to things that we're familiar with. I don't think it's it's just inserting things for the sake of appeasing any particular audience. Sure. Well, I don't think fan service is necessarily bad. Either. I don't either. I think fan service by its own nature is like meant to be fun for fans. Yeah, and I, <laughs> like, and I think that that's not exactly terrible. <laughs> I think that's exactly what this is here. It's just sort of like, yeah, we never get to see this do this kinds of stuff on this show. So here's a quick way to like. Remember the black suit? Here we go. Remember, like, remember what it, what it sort of seemed like when Spider-Man first met Venom, like, before? Here you go. You know, it's it's fun stuff. I, I'm into yeah. it. Okay, so back to this situation. Below uh, where all of that is going on, below where he's putting the suit back on, uh, we see that Carnage receives, I guess, what seems like a telepathic message or another vibe kind of like earlier from the Venom symbiote that is, I guess, guiding him to its ultimate destination. So even though it is being hosted by Spider-Man to stay alive, it is still communicating with Carnage in some way, shape, or form. We only get this from Carnage's perspective, so it's impossible to know exactly what he is interpreting. It could literally just be that they have a psychic connection, and so he always senses it. Mm -hmm. But the way that he presents it, and we know that this is meta, but we know that he is unstable. <laughs> he at least presents it as in such a way that it is actually sort of talking to him or guiding him. Right, right. And where it guides him is back to the clinic, <laughs> which yeah. is to be expected. Um, this is a weird, this is like a weird way to introduce him into the scene. Yes. Uh, they cut back to the clinic first where we see Naoko, Eddie, and Shane, and they're just talking with Eddie, and the doorbell rings, and Naoko's like, hey, Shane, can you go see who that is? And what's funny is I didn't even I didn't even expect it to be Carnage, because you don't expect Carnage to be at the doorbell, or, like, to hit the doorbell and be at the right. front door. So, so I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't really sure what to expect. I just wasn't expecting it to be that. Even still, I was like, would I let my, like, 
seven or 10 year old answer the yeah. front door. I maybe it, it's funny. I, we've referenced this before, but like the normal for this environment is so different from my normal that I'm questioning things that might be totally normal. Like yeah. it might be totally normal for Shane to answer the door. I have no idea. But in that moment, I was like, why are you letting him answer the door? <laughs> right. Cause we're, you know, our whole thought coming from outside in is that this is like the epitome of a quote unquote bad neighborhood in a right. dystopian, in like a dystopian world where anyone can right. be killed at any time. But if that is your entire world all the time, if yeah. that is just always your life and like, you are never going to feel safe no matter where you go. Like it is, that's just kind yeah. of normal. Like you can't, you know, <laughs> the alternative, you know, the only if she really wanted to keep Shane safe, she would just have to like lock him in a room at yeah. all hours of the day and never let him out, you know. So I guess yeah. you know, I guess I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, after I had that examination of myself and 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 these <laughs> different normals, I ultimately was right because it is carnage at the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I know that's carnage oriented. to ring the doorbell. Right. Like, it's results that is oriented. Weird. But still. <laughs> it, yeah, it ends up being carnage and we find this out because basically Shane re-enters the room, but in Carnage's grasp. And Carnage quickly also tangles up Naoko and Eddie. So we just have Carnage in the clinic with all three of them tangled up in his tendril tentacle things. Not good. Not good at all. Almost immediately after, Spider-Man arrives and the symbiote just immediately is just like, okay, bye. Yeah, see ya. Yeah, just uh, squirms right off of him going towards Eddie. So when Spider-Man is, like, thrown outside, he meets the uh, squad of machine men who were chasing him before. I think he references that he, like, lost them in the sewer or whatever. So one of them is, like, covered in gunk and he makes fun of them for being smelly or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what, do, what does matter is that Carnage moves forward to hurt Naoko and Shane. And Eddie, as we know, has kind of, like, gained a uh, emotional connection with them. He's formed an emotional bond with them. And so he is... Uh, he's able to break free from Carnage's tendrils, fully just motivated by his bond with those two. And he rejoins the Venom symbiote, another kind of bond. It's like this whole episode is like about bonds, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. Rejoins the Venom symbiote so he can have the strength to stop Carnage, um, which is kind of, which is cool. Like it's, uh, yeah. we, we kind of commented this episode is pretty simple. It doesn't have a lot of depth, um, but that doesn't mean that like the story that they're telling is is bad. I think that they... Is as straightforward as it all is. I really like this whole idea of the villain sort of like learning to love again and then having to like confront the thing that ruined his life in the first place to save the love that he like learned how to have again. You know, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's nicely poetic and and nicely dramatic. Uh, and I think that they pull it off pretty well. It's it's poetic and devastating at the same time. I mean, the fact that both Peter and Eddie have to confront the idea that in order to move forward and save people they care about, they have to engage in this incredibly destructive thing. And so like what you end up pulling out of it isn't great. It's just, it's, it's, or, or it's not like, it, I shouldn't say it's not great. It is actually quite great. It is not, a, it's not like a happy thing you're pulling out of it. It's a devastating thing you're pulling out of it, right? Like it's a truth bomb that you're pulling out of it. Mm-hmm. This idea that, that both of them have, have such like deep and destructive histories with this thing that is the Venom symbiote that they can't fully pull themselves away even when they're doing it in order to help other people that they care about. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's like truly fucked up. And it really it's, is. It's, it's, it's like a devastating thing to think about because, you know, we referenced that a lot of this feels like um, particular kinds of addiction stories. Um, and the reality of certain types of addictions is that you can't cold turkey them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just fuck yourself up. And so, you know, you, you end up, 
having to extend your relationship with this destructive thing in order to ultimately get to the place where you want to be. And in one case, we see with Spider-Man, like, okay, things turn out okay. It slides right off of him. And then we'll, you know, we'll see in the events just immediately following this how it affects Eddie differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Venom and Carnage do actually clash, which I like. I think I had mentioned very early on that, like, I like them most when they are just absolutely unapologetically opposed to one another. Like, same, I just think same. that's more interesting. Yeah. I like when they resent each other. I think it's it's interesting for who they are. Mm-hmm. So I like this very little bit of that that we get, um, even though it's sort of motivated differently. Uh, I, I like that. So Venom and Carnage do end up clashing in the street, but ultimately end up rejoining forces because the machine men are trying to stop them and Spider-Man is trying to stop them. In their attempts to just beat up Spider-Man, they end up beating up the front of the clinic instead and end up causing like all kinds of destruction. Spider-Man realizing he's like got to do something, but doesn't have the tool that he normally uses to stop them ends up grabbing one of the machine men sonic blasters but is also like i don't know if this is going to be enough like there's two of them and i have one gun and i think he literally says like i don't know if i'm gonna have time to fire this twice okay and then the next thing that happens literally only serves to solve the problem and doesn't make any sense in context because what happens right after spider-man has said i don't have time to fire this twice because there's two of them. Venom and Carnage combine into a singular mega symbiote thing. And guess yeah. what? Spider-Man now only has to fire it once because there's only one of them. <laughs> but instead of doing that thing that he said he really wished he could do because he can't fire it twice at two enemies and there's now only one of them, he ends up just blowing the gun up instead to create a <laughs> sonic boom. Which ends up destroying everything around him even more. Yikes. It's very, it's a very confusing moment. I don't it understand is. it. I don't understand it in the universe, and I don't understand it from a writing perspective. I don't either. So yeah, and the thing is, the animation of the two symbiotes like flowing and joining together is really cool. I'm not opposed to them joining. I yeah. just don't understand why they do it in the context that they do it. Right. They do it the context they do it and then and then they just stand there for a second and then get blown up immediately after. Like it literally was for no reason. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, on yeah, on top of it being too short, it happens right after he's like, "I have a problem that I cannot solve." And they Maybe solve my it for enemies him. will solve it for me. <laughs> right. Right. It's very weird. Again, even as much as we sort of complain about there not being a lot of depth to this one, it would still benefit from being a two-parter. And I think a lot of the depth would just come out of being able mm-hmm. to spend more time in these individual moments. Um, in addition to like a better emotional catharsis and thread, I think we could have had a cooler fight because we would have more time to have a joined mega symbiote fighting Spider-Man. Like that would have been awesome. I don't. Yeah, uh, I, it's just weird. I think it. Yeah, I think it, I think it would have benefited from a two-part episode. I think there's. I think there's like plenty to dig out of this episode. I think it's just like, it's just so out of context. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's good stuff here, and so it's not it's not bad by any stretch. It's just also not like great in the context of the show because the show is already doing so many things that don't really relate to this at all. Yeah. Um, even from the perspective of what Carnage and Venom were already doing. So it's like weird to be presented with this thing that is like solid, right? Like this is just a solid thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And aside from, honestly, aside from this particular moment, I think is pretty tight in what it's doing. Yeah. It like covers most of its bases because there aren't that many bases to cover, which is fine. 
just do it well, right? Yeah. It just, it's like a weird, it doesn't really connect back to anything or forward to anything. (laughs) Uh, So it's just, it's kind of strange. Um, And maybe some of those connections also would have happened with a two-parter. You might be able to hook into the environment around it a little bit more easily, but right. What a, what a bizarre episode, not a bad episode at all, but yeah, it's just, it's just weird. Well, it's if, cause if this episode, if a version of this episode happened like in the nineties show and it was sort of like the same basic story, which they could have pulled off to an extent. Yeah. I think that we would have been raving about it because it would be a lot darker and, and a little like um a little more emotionally like intense than a lot of that show is. I mm-hmm. think because this show already is so like maudlin and dour all the time and sort of plunges <laughs> into like the psyches of people anyway and a little more cerebral that yeah. like in this show, in the context of this show, it's just kind of like, okay, I mean, you know, you've done yeah. better than that before. Uh, yeah. not, they've, they've definitely done worse, way worse before too, but I've seen them – like the curve is different. It's not higher, but the bar's not higher, but the curve is different. Well, th- th- this is completely consistent with everything we've said about the show, which is we'd rather it takes big swings and miss yeah. than just bunt the ball. And like bunting is an effective strategy. It's just not exciting. And I think this is it's it's too much of an insult to call this episode a bunt because it is a good episode. <laughs> yeah, it is a good episode. It's so weird to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's closer to a bunt than it is to uh, a strike that was going for a home run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just does everything solidly. It's effective. It meets the goals, I think, that it's set to uh, achieve. It's just like a weird – it's just a it's, – it's, it's a weird thing to put in this series – given everything else the series was already doing. So it is, yeah. it's good. I just, it's weird. Yeah, especially. As <laughs> because it's not weird. <laughs> it's weird because it's not weird. Exactly. No, this is, that's exactly what it is. I, cause I would, I could totally buy and get someone saying this is their favorite episode of the show. Yeah. Oh, Because it sure. is like the most normal episode of the show. A hundred percent. This is the most Spider-Man episode we've gotten out of this Spider-Man yeah. show. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so funny. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just not the cup of tea that we've grown to love about this weird ass complicated show. But, but I get it. No, that's a perfect, ex- like, it's like, <laughs> it's like you went for a cup of tea and it was Pepsi instead. Like Pepsi's fine. It's just not tea and you went for tea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's jarring. It's, uh, very interesting. And it's also weird that it's this late into the season. If it was earlier in the season, I think That's true. That's it would have played a little bit better. Yeah. Or honestly, if if they had if they had more heavily emphasized the fact that the events of what were going on were kind of sandwiched inside of the high evolutionary's attempt to stop the symbiotes, then I think everything would be fine. And maybe a two-part episode would have allowed that to happen, right? Because mm-hmm. all this stuff is happening uh, kind of just as a result of the high evolutionary trying to stop the symbiotes. But once the event happens that separates them, they kind of remove the high evolutionary from what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's like his, his desire and his contracting the doctor to create technology is what gets us to the point where Eddie is, is facing this stuff and where Spider-Man is facing this stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't really bring it all the way back around to reconnect it back to the show we were already watching. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Strange. Very strange. One thing I do like about this whole sequence, though, right like before they form, at one point, Carnage, his entire lower torso turns into like a dagger and he, yeah. he stabs the machine man with it, which is so <laughs> funny because he uses his tendrils and claws a lot. He doesn't really form blades like Carnage typically does. So yeah. it's funny that when he actually does it, it's his entire like lower half mm-hmm. of his body. He turns into a blade. Yeah. It's so funny. It's amazing. This episode addresses something that we were wondering about early on, which is 
you know, we were pretty confident that there were hosts somewhere in there. But this this episode directly acknowledges the fact that, like, there are human bodies inside there and they are just deconstructed along with the rest of everything else. Yikes. Which is gross. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yikes, yep. yikes, yikes. Yep, 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 yep. Her 50th episode also includes body horror. Of course. Oh, perfect. Yeah, very appropriate. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So all this madness um, and Spider-Man blowing up the sonic gun for no goddamn reason, um, you know, damages, like we said, damages the, the clinic like even more. So Naoko walks outside and Spidey's like, oh, hey, I saved the day. And she's just like, dude, what, what, what did you do to the place uh-huh. that I live? <laughs> yeah. What the hell, man? His response is dumb, too, because he's, like, kind of indignant about it. He's like, saved you? And she's Look like, excuse around. me? <laughs> Look around, dude. Yeah. Look around. Yeah. And she's Read like, you're the no... whole damn street. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're no better than those symbiote sickos or whatever. Like, uh, she's got mm-hmm. a point. Like, he could have. I don't know. No, she has a great point, And I actually like it when you put these episodes in the order I suspect they were supposed to be in. Because the next episode starts with her arguing about Peter being present in the apartment. Um, to uh, her ex-husband. And so you get this sort of one-two punch, end of one episode, beginning of the other, where he's presented with sort of uh, fucking up on the Spider-Man end and then feeling guilty on the Peter end. And that sort of culminates in him being like, you know what, I'm not really being all that helpful as Peter and I'm not being all that helpful as Spider-Man. And maybe I'm really just causing problems for these people who were not living fine before, but might have been living at least a little better without me. So it actually is kind of a great way to end this episode, assuming that the previous mm. episode was supposed to pick up where it left off. Well, no, because I think that the one you're talking about is sustenance. And this one is supposed to go uh, before matters of the heart. I keep mixing those last two up, the yeah. order of them. Well, yeah, nah, that doesn't make as much sense then. <laughs> it's fine i it took me a minute i had to i was second guessing myself when you're saying that too uh i will i would have liked it then damn look at me trying <laughs> to give you praise for things you didn't do <laughs> writers just kidding i love everything you do writers <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows i've watched in a really long time <laughs> oh damn all right <laughs> yeah um, it's just that much fun i don't love everything they do but i love a lot of yeah the things no i don't love everything do. they do <laughs> I well, I, I might love everything they do. I have a strong affinity for everything I do. I don't think they do everything right. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that, that that's fair. That's fair. I love the hot mess that is this show. Yeah, yes, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. It's a hot mess, <laughs> but I am into it. And yes, I love the mess. Give yes. me more of the mess, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, so you know, the episode still ends with Spider-Man just like I don't, I don't, reg- I regret nothing. I mean, it mm-hmm. feels bad feels terrible man everyone hates spider-man was like you should feel a little bad for blowing up the place that you live but all right and also sentencing a man to death which we see in the next episode not next episode in the next scene where dr brofsky is reporting to the high evolutionary before being hauled off by sir ram presumably to be murdered yikes 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 Yikes. I regret nothing. I did Yikes. nothing wrong. I, well, it's I'm weird. great. Yeah, it's weird because he's like, well, I don't feel bad about any of this. But then he's like, I, I don't know if he even gets, I don't even know if he questions it for a moment. But he just like rationalizes it with like, everyone's mad at me because everyone's always mad at me. I'm like, yeah. um, 
Like, a lot of times people are mad at you for dumb reasons, but, like, maybe at least stop to analyze why someone that you care about who knows you might be mad at you. Like, yeah. that should be an indicator. Yeah, come on, Peter. That's come a little on, weird. Buddy, just wait till she finds out that her professor that she's at least comfortable enough talking about with you is probably goo now. Yep. Yep. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. What's also cool, face of the episode, we mentioned it before when Carnage flows through the web door that Spider-Man makes like very easily. Yeah. <laughs> I just caught a screen cap of it and it's just very funny and cute. Yes. It's a very here's Johnny moment. Yeah, it definitely is. Oh, I wish he had said that. That would have been a good line. Here's Carney. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those things that's like a little expected and cliche, but like, it it just it works you know like as a reference so just do it yeah why not it would work yeah. i mean it would be a, the only like funny thing that he's ever said in this entire show that's so. true <laughs> that's true now i'm thinking about why that works. that probably works because it was a reference to something already right it's like a reference to a reference which is so, yeah which is it's so so you can't really overdo it because it's famous because it's a reference <laughs> exactly exactly like a lot of people uh. know know that it comes from the shining before they know what the shining was referencing yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. wait his name isn't johnny why i don't why did he say that <laughs> <laughs> well i like it i'm choosing to believe that that line is actually in the show yeah well we just forgot about it that's all yeah just gonna decide that <laughs> Yeah, that works. Yeah, reality doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. The other face that I caught is just one. Naoko's drawn very interestingly when she's chastising Spider-Man. I'm um, really angry. Like, her her eyes are extra big and her, like, pupils are really small. She kind of looks like kind of Disney princessy slash, like, anime-y a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I just captured an image of that because it's uh, it's just slightly off model. Slightly off model, yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny uh, when you screen cap it. <laughs> well, it's like one of those things where you, where you can imagine just being like, "Look at it! Look at it! Look what you did! Look at it! Look what you did!" I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, we kind of we had kind of already covered our overall thoughts, but good episode. S- strange placement but yeah. otherwise good episode with only yeah. one major complaint on my part. And, you know, it's it's a relatively small detail. Yeah, it's solid. It's solid. It's definitely, yeah. it does not at all contain all the complaints that we've had about a lot of sort of the middle section of this season. Oh, um, yeah. Which is great. It is it is tightly written. It's paced mm-hmm. out very well. Has um, a strong theme that that could have carried this through multiple parts. If yeah, yeah. To. Yeah, my my biggest complaint is that I just wish that there was more of it and that it had more time to tell its story. And I think that more depth would have come out of it sort of naturally if it just was mm-hmm. able to flesh out a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was a it was it's a good example of if, if this show had been allowed to go longer and didn't just have to be constantly establishing counter earth stuff or new counter earth villains. It's the type of story that I could see just like occasionally happening, happening every few episodes that's like sort of a standalone that's just sort of like going in depth about one of the characters and telling kind of a cool story with the characters that are already established. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I don't have a segue, to be quite honest. Um, Damn, I was hoping you would because I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and I just don't have one. Sorry, gang. Uh, So we're just going to go into plugs and stuff, places you can find us. 
there are lots of things you can do. Uh, first off, you've already heard this, but you could join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers for more of us and things that we do and those faces of the episodes uh, and all kinds of goodies. You can also find those things on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. If you're looking for us individually, where can people find you, Derek, and the things you are working on? Sure thing. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. And you can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you would like to follow the show on social media, you can do that on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WallopingWebPod, or you can email us at WallopingWebSnappersPodcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast everywhere that you follow podcasts, but specifically on Apple Podcasts, because that is the easiest way for people to find us. And if you are liking what we are doing, there is somebody out there who doesn't know we exist yet who would like what we are doing as well. Next week, we finally learn something about Karen in the episode Sins of the Fathers. Can't wait. See you then. Bye. It's weird that it simultaneously sort of like bucks the trend of this show and being in not under designed, but so simply designed. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Was that thunder? <laughs> was that upstairs? What was that? I didn't hear it. My end. It, it honestly sounded like somebody had taken a cooler full of ice and dumped it on the floor. Oh, weird. Maybe that's exactly what happened. Or, or they just knocked over their marble collection. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> That'd be funny.